Turn with me to Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18. We're going to read the entire chapter. Exodus chapter 18, if you haven't been with us, this is a few months after the children of Israel went through the Red Sea. They have been given manna from heaven. They've been given water from the rock. They've been, they've been attacked by the Amalekites and fought them off through God's power. They're almost to Mount Sinai where they'll receive the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments will come in the next few chapters. But here we have an interesting little story about uh, a family reunion. So in verse eight, uh, 1 of chapter 18, it says, And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom. For he said, I've been a stranger in the foreign land. And the name of the other was Eleazar. For he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his two sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God, that was near Sinai. And he said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with him. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other about their well-being, and they went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake all the hardship that had come upon them on the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the name of the Lord, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. From the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so it was on the next day that Moses set to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people, so that you may bring the difficulties to God, and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws, and show them the way in which they must walk, and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times, then it will be that, the, that every great matter that shall be, uh, they shall bring to you, but every small matter they shall themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, 
and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten. So they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. It's a little bit different passage, isn't it? So far, we've sort of had stories about conflict and hardship and how God is rescuing his people from difficulties and sort of conflicts between groups of people. But here we come to a place where God is getting very practical. And we're going to try to reflect that in the sermon. God is saying, life is not just about dealing with problems as they come along. Sometimes just life itself is a problem. A bunch of people get together and you just have internal problems. No sins, just problems. How, does, how do God's people deal with it? So in this passage, we're going to see that God's story, that this passage is God's story of what he has done to save his people, and that must be proclaimed. Because it is the power to convert and fill our hearts with joy, as well as cause us to continue to spread that message. Okay, we call this evangelism. How do we evangelize? How do we spread the news? This passage is going to teach us, for our purposes, your heart and the church. Two things necessary for evangelism. How does God work among his people? Practically speaking. Not theoretically, God loves people, or God is kind, or God is... but practically. See, the Bible doesn't say, just have ideas about God. It gets into the nitty-gritty. So we're going to see that here. First of all, Jethro comes to Moses because he had heard stories about him. But if you remember, Jethro was back in chapter 3, I believe, where Moses fled Egypt, went down to Midian, which is in the southern part of the desert, and met his future wife, met her father-in-law, lived with him for many years, watched his flocks. Then he left, saw the burning bush, went back to, e back to Egypt. He started to take his wife with him, but apparently he sent his wife and his two sons back to live with uh, their grandfather, his father-in-law. Now they've reun reunited now, you remember where Moses saw the burning bush? He was watching his flocks, his father-in-law's flocks, on Mount Sinai. So they've kind of come full circle back to Mount Sinai, which was near where Jethro lived. But things have changed since they left. A lot has happened in the few months since Moses and Jethro talked. And so they meet up. Moses has something to tell Jethro now, something different. He has a story to tell Moses, uh, to tell Jethro. Now, in this case, he's got news, but it's not just news, it's good news. Now, this is significant because we also have good news. You see, the good news here is what? That God has actually done something. He's acted in history for the benefit of his people. Good news of God's redemption. Good news of God's salvation. We would call that the gospel. Now, it's not quite the same as the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's still the gospel of God. So it's good news of God's deliverance. And that's when verse 8 says, Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done. This is important. He didn't just say to, to, to Jethro, here's how I feel. Here's how I view the world. Here's how things are. He said, here's what has happened. So when we say things like good news, this is important. What is the gospel? Gospel means good news. That's a literal translation. 
News means things have happened and you need to know about them. Philosophy is different. Philosophy is here's how things work. That's not what Moses told Jethro. He said, here's what has happened. And that's important. So we talk about evangelism. How do we reach people? How do we talk to people? Look how God uses people at this point. Remember, we're God's people. These are God's people. God is still the same. Humans are still the same. But why we can go back to the Old Testament. Look what happens in this passage. Notice uh, in the beginning part, this, the passage takes time to give the names of the sons. Why? Because their names were significant in the story of these people. Their names were Gershom and Eleazar, which are Hebrew words that sound like what he describes. Gershom is, I've been a stranger in a foreign land, and Eleazar is, God has delivered me. That's Moses' story. But it's also Israel's story. God has set up a situation where Moses' life and God's redemption plan fit together. It wasn't abstract. What this is saying here is these two sons and my life as a redeemed, a redeemed person all are wrapped up together. Now, how's that work for evangelism? Well, Jethro was not a believer. He gets converted in verse 8 or 9. How did Jethro become a believer? They were related. Jethro went to see Moses because he had his daughter and grandkids with him. What's happening here? God is providing an opportunity for Jethro to talk to Moses. And one of the opportunities was family relations. You see, evangelism is not sort of walk down the street randomly until you meet a stranger and the Holy Spirit says, talk to them. What happens here? God has been working for 40, 50, 60, 80 years in these people's lives. To do what? To bring them to this point. He brought them together. Now, it was through ordinary means that you look at and you say, that's normal. That happens all the time. What's special about this? The outcome is what's special. So now when we look at our relationships in our lives, what's normal? Of course we have families. Yes, just like Moses and Jethro. You see how God has provided opportunities for everyone? You don't necessarily need to go look for opportunities. You need to be aware of the ones around you. So that's what, Je that's what Moses does. Moses recognizes that Jethro is not a believer. How did he know Jethro was not a believer? He lived with him for 40 years. You think this was the first time they had a conversation about God? Moses knew who God was. Moses knew Yahweh. Jethro was a priest of Midian. They had religious conversations. But when they meet, after 40 years of not serving the same God, look at their relationship. Now he said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him, and they asked each other about their well-being, and they went into the tent. That's normal, right? Yes, it is normal. After 40 years of being opposite religions, they still had a relationship. Now, what does that mean? If Moses had gotten tired of putting up with false religion from his father-in-law, he would not have had this opportunity to tell him of true religion. God does not work in individual opportunities. Sometimes he works over decades. We don't know. Moses didn't know anything. He knew that Jethro was not a believer, had not been for decades, but maybe this time things were different. 
And so Moses maintained a relationship with his father-in-law of respect, of mutual agreement on things that they could agree on, so that when the opportunity came, he could tell them the story. Are you doing that in your life? Are you maintaining relationships with people that are already in your life, waiting for the opportunity, which may come 10, 20, 30 years from now? Or do we get discouraged because we told them about Jesus and they didn't want to hear it? Now they've rejected Christ with nothing left. No. God doesn't work on our timetable. Sometimes he takes a long time to work. And Moses recognized the opportunity that he had cultivated. And what does he do with it? Using his family relations, his situational ties, he tells Jethro a story. And what is that story? And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. He told a story about salvation. He told a story about how God had delivered him. And notice one thing he doesn't talk about himself. Isn't it significant that Moses, the leader of these people, who, when he had left Jethro, had said, I'm going to deliver my people. When they meet up again, he doesn't say, I delivered them. What does he say? Let me tell you what God has done. Let me tell you how the Lord has done. That's important because if we want results, if we want to be effective, we don't get to use ourselves. We don't have the ability. We don't have the strength. The only person that can change anyone is God himself. And so Moses said, knowing that only God can save, I'm going to talk about God. I'm going to tell Jethro about the one person in this universe that can actually help him. And I'm going to tell him specifically what that person has done. You see, that's significant. He tells Jethro what God had done in history. Not how God had comforted his people. Not how God had cared for his people. But what God had done in this world for his people. See, good news needs to have news in it. It needs to have some events that happened that were good. And so Moses understood that. And so he told that to him. But we understand that too, don't we? People don't need your lifestyle. They don't need your philosophy. They need something to have happened in this world that changes it. They don't need to improve this world. Often that's what we offer people. A better version of their life. Do things the way I do them, and you'll be better. And often that's true. But you're still in this world. You're still lost. And so Moses tells a God-centered story of redemption, and so we tell a God-centered story of redemption. Specifically, not what we have done, not even really what has been done in us, but what God did in the past. Luther said, I must listen to the gospel. It tells me not what I must do, but what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has already done for me. It's historical. You realize the pressure that takes off of you? You don't need to have a good explanation for you. All you need to have a good explanation for is what God did. You say, I'm nobody, but God sure did some amazing things. Let me tell you what he did. Let me tell you a story. Because that's the only thing that will work. This isn't sort of, here's a good way to do evangelism. Here's a good way to talk about Jesus. No, here's the only way to talk about Jesus. 
There's no other option here. There's no other way to talk about the gospel other than to relate the events of history. You have to tell people what Jesus did. Just like Moses had to tell Jethro what the Lord did. Otherwise, there was no story. Machen says this, if Christ provides only part of our salvation, leaving us to provide the rest, then we are still hopeless under the load of sin. For no matter how small the gap which must be bridged before salvation can be attained, no matter how small the gap, the awakened conscience sees clearly that our wretched attempt at goodness is insufficient even to bridge that gap. Such an attempt to piece out the work of Christ by our own merit is the very essence of unbelief. Christ will do everything or he will do nothing. Christ will do everything or he will do nothing. So when we tell people the good news, it better be what Christ did, how Christ did everything, how he did everything to save his people. You see, that's what Moses did. And, and Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done. We tell people all that the Lord had done. It includes this story right here, but more than that, because God has done more things than Moses had. He came back. He came to this earth and died on the cross. That happened. And because it happened, now we have good news. If we leave that part out of our message, if we simply talk about love or good works or community or family or relationships, that's not enough. You can tell people, our church is great because we love each other. That's not going to save anybody. It's great because we learn how to forgive each other. Great, but that's not going to save anybody. The one thing that can save people is what God has already done. So that's what we tell people. And look what happens when you tell people God's story. People recept it, receive it and are changed. That's what happened in the story. Look at the reception of God's story. Verse 9, Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel. And Jethro said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 11, now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing which they behaved proudly, he was above them. He said, now I know. How do we know Jethro wasn't a believer? Because he didn't know before who was the greatest. Now he knows. Moses told him, here's what God has done. Nobody can top that. Now, think about Jethro, what it took for Jethro at this point. This is an encouragement for us. Who was Jethro? Jethro was a high priest of his people. He went to what he believed was God for all of his people. Now, in this moment, he just switches. He switches gods. He served false gods for 40, 50, 60, 80 years. Who knows how long? And in this moment, he says, all that I've ever done before was wrong. And as an old man, I'm serving a new God. That sounds impossible to me. And not just because I've been here for a couple of years. It sounds impossible, and all the experience I have and all the people I know, for an older person who's committed their life to one thing to just switch and do the opposite. Because it is impossible. The longer you do something, the longer you commit to something, the harder it is to change. And, and Jethro wasn't a seeker. He'd been serving somebody. He had a religion. He was successful in that religion. He was high in the ranks of that particular religion. And he, and he gave, gave it up. up. Why? Because Moses told him a story and he believed it. Not because Moses says, look, be like me, Jethro. Jethro didn't want to be like Moses. If Jethro wanted to be like Moses, he would have changed when they were living in the same place. 
He didn't want to be like the Israelites. He didn't need them. He knew who they were already. He was already successful in his life. Does this sound like challenges to your evangelism? Your friends don't need what you have. And you know that, and so you feel like, what have I got that they want? They're successful. They're happy. Their life is going well. They've already chosen their way of life. That person's too old to change. Moses didn't say that, and neither do we, because look what happens. Jethro does change, not because of relationship, but because of the story, God's story. Look at Jethro's response. The response of receiving God's uh, good news. Jethro rejoiced. And he says, I, I know that God is greater than all the gods. I believe. What does it mean to be saved? You believe the story is true. You believe Jesus actually came to this earth. You believe he actually died on a cross, killed by Romans, that he was buried in a grave because he wasn't breathing anymore. His heart had stopped. And then he came back alive. And you believe that all of that means that he died for our sins, and he was raised to prove it. You have to believe that. Jethro believed the story of God. How do you know he believed it truly? Because you don't just intellectually receive information. You don't just say, oh, that's true. That's not good enough. You don't say to someone, do you believe it's true that Jesus died on the cross? Yes, great, you're saved. No, there's a heart change. Something more than just intellectual information changes. Not less. You have to believe the facts. But your heart has to change. Look at Jethro's response. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done, not for him, for Israel. Ian Tate says, Those who study the Bible only to gain more information may believe their minds are expanding, when in fact... Only their heads are swelling. People may know the truth about the Bible. That doesn't mean they believe it. Jethro said, not only is it true what happened, but my heart rejoices that it happened. I want it to be true. I need it to be true. And it's true. Why would Jethro rejoice that another group of people had been saved? He wasn't there. They weren't his people. What happened here? Does that strike you as odd? Now Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, who he didn't believe in before. This tells us something. Jethro needed something. Jethro was not truly happy. He was not truly satisfied. He needed something more. And I believe he didn't know what it was. He didn't know what he needed. He didn't know why he wasn't satisfied. His heart wanted something, and he didn't have it. And as soon as Moses told the story, he was like, that's it. That's what I was waiting for. I didn't care before because I didn't know I needed it. But as soon as I hear the story of God saving his people, I'm like, yes, that's what I want. You don't know people's reaction until you tell them the story. You think they don't want it. But you have to tell them first. Moses had no clue what Jethro was going to do after he told him the story. And I don't believe Jethro had any clue either. Jethro's like, sure, tell me what's happened. I've heard some interesting stuff. Moses tells him, God saved us. And Jethro said, yes, I needed that. People need Jesus. 
And they may say they don't, and may, they may not even know that they need it, need him, but they do. And how are they going to find out? Someone has to go up to him and say, here's what Jesus has done. And sometimes they're going to say, I don't care, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes their heart will rejoice and say, finally. Augustine says, God has created us for himself. And our hearts are lost until we find rest in him. Because God created Jethro and us, we need Jesus Christ. But we just don't know until somebody tells us. And look what Jethro does. He receives it. He rejoices. He says, I know what the Lord has done. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. What happens when you realize that your life is okay? That God has changed everything for you? That God's acts in the past have now changed your life? You bring forth fruits of repentance, as the Bible says. You worship. Jethro says, this is amazing. This is great. I've got to do something now in response to what God has done. Now, note, Jethro's sacrifice had nothing to do with the Red Sea. Had nothing to do with Pharaoh. You realize the significance? Whether Jethro sacrificed or not had no bearing on God's saving acts. So also... Our response and our work and our efforts has no bearing on what Christ has done. Either Christ has already saved us or he'll never save us. And whether we serve and work hard and be faithful and believe, that doesn't matter. The sacrifice, the worship, is a response to God. If you get one thing, get this. Worship is a response to what God has done. You need to hear God's story before you can respond to it. That's why we start our service with a call to worship out of Scripture. You can't worship until you know what God has said to you, until what God has done. But once you know and you believe, then you bring sacrifices, then you worship. And and that's what Jethro did. But more than that, what did he do? Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. They didn't just have dinner. This was a ritual meal. Why did all the elders show up? Because a priest of Midian had rejected his religion and joined the community of God. And so they had a meal together to symbolize the unity of worshipers of God. That's what we're going to do here. Exactly the same thing. We're going to get together. We're going to eat bread as the people of God before God to symbolize that we believe the story, that we rejoice in the story, that we worship together. You see how the Old Testament and the New Testament are one story? They're not the exact same story. They're part of the same story. We don't repeat what happened here, but we see how God has been working in his people's lives. That they're not just jumbled up stories that have no bearing. We sort of make up connections. God is the same. People are the same. God has been working in these people's lives for thousands of years. Why is the church here? The church is here to preach the story, to worship in response to the story, to rejoice together. When you're singing, are you rejoicing that we all believe it? That we worship together because we all are excited, not just what God has done, but that God has brought us together to talk about it together? When you take the Lord's Supper, do you look around at the people who are taking it with you? You should. 
Look around. It's okay. When they sat down to this meal, they were not having their heads bowed. They sat around the table so they could see who they were fellowshipping with. Before God, it says they ate bread before God, and so we eat this before God. But we eat it together. You can't divorce the story and the people. You can't divorce what God has done and who he has done it for. And so that's what the church is. That's what the Lord's Supper is, the continuation of this. It's saying God has redeemed his people not just to be saved, but to be saved together. To redeem a people for himself who will bring worship to him. We are fulfilling God's plan just like God's plans are being fulfilled here. So look at in the scope of this, how does the story fit into the scope of the Bible? When you go back to Genesis, there's a, there's a promise given to Abraham. The first time Abraham's ever talked about. He's mentioned in genealogy, and then God calls him for the first time. His name's Abram. He never met Abraham before. The first thing God says to him, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That was hundreds of years before this story. But look what's happening in this story. Remember last week, the Amalekites? They attacked them. They tried to wipe out God's people. Well, they're not being brought in. The promise is not being fulfilled. So God puts this story. He said, here's a Gentile nation, the Midianites. Here's a priest of the Gentile nation. Look what's happening. The promise to... Abraham to bless all nations is being fulfilled in this example. God's promises is not stopped because the Amalekites. It's not stopped because of false religions. God says, I made a promise to Abraham and I'll fulfill it. We go all the way to the end of the Bible, book of Revelation. Verse 15, chapter 15, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. God does something, he saves people, and he brings them from all nations to worship him. And what we have in this chapter is a tiny little picture of that happening, which then points us to a big picture of God redeeming the world to himself in Christ. That's a story worth telling. That's better than the story you were telling. But there's a second half of this chapter that gets very practical. And very... A little bit of a conflict here. Moses is the leader of Israel. And has been for, many years, for, for a long time now. Jethro just became a believer. And the next day, what does he do? He shows up and gives advice to the leader of Israel. Have you ever tried to give somebody advice? How'd that go for you? I posted this on, on Facebook, and I didn't get a single good response back. Mostly it was, I try not to give anybody advice unless they specifically ask for it. And even then, they don't want the advice you give. Jethro shows up for the first time ever, brand new believer in Jesus. The next day, he says, now, Moses, here's how you should run things. How's that work? Okay. I feel like there's a parallel here somewhat about a younger person showing up to the older church and telling them how to do things. And then I feel like there's other people who are older trying to tell that person what to do, and there's a bit of conflict there. 
So, practically, how does an older person tell a younger person how to lead? How does a new person tell an older person how to do things? Well, the Bible tells us. Give us an example. Jethro recognized the need that Moses didn't recognize. This is humbling for Moses. Moses has been trained by the Egyptians, very well educated, has been leading the people. Jethro shows up and in one day says, you are going to destroy everything. You're going to ruin everything. I've, I've seen the problem in one day that you haven't been able to see for months. Now, that's humbling, isn't it? To have someone show up out of the blue, just came on board and was like, you're already doing things wrong. What's our reaction? Who are you? Put some time in before you tell us what to do. What's this story telling us? Time in service does not equal your ability to contribute. You don't have to be here any amount of time before you can speak the truth. Jethro got saved on Friday and on Saturday was telling him how to run the church. And Moses said, good point. God says, I brought him here for a reason. You see, this is providential. It's providential that God says, Jethro, go on this day, stay for the next day, watch him so that you can tell Moses how to do things. Sometimes God bring, will bring people into this church and they don't know anything except for the one thing that we're doing wrong. God tells us this is how it works. He says in Ephesians, and he gave him some to be apostles, prophets, so forth, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. God gave us every single member for a reason. And it wasn't just to support what you think is already right. Unless we're perfect already, in the fullness of Jesus Christ, completely mature, we need new people to tell us what we're doing wrong. Whew, that's hard. I haven't been here long, but I've been here long enough to know I don't like that. So what's the answer? Why was Jethro there? Why did Moses listen to Jethro? Because Jethro and Moses wanted the same thing. Tell the story of God. Jethro said, I just heard the story yesterday, but I want other people to know it too. And Moses said, me too. Let's work together. Let's figure this out together. Jethro recognizes the problem. He recognizes God's authority. He doesn't just tell them what to do. He says, I'll tell you what to do. And if God tells you also, then you can do it. That's important. You don't just show up and say, well, in my opinion, honestly, most of us don't care about your opinion. I hate to be blunt, but we do care about the truth. And so Jethro conforms to God's word, conforms to God's will. So we also, Ephesians 4 says he gave himself, he himself gave some to the church to be apostles and prophets. Who is that for us? It's the Bible. If you would like to give advice, I don't care how long you've been here, give it. As long as you first make sure that it fits the Bible. And say, here's my advice if the Bible says it's okay. That's a safety check on all of us to make sure that we're not just doing what we think is right, but what God wants. And so he gave us prophets and apostles, just like he gave Moses the law. He gives it to us. So he recognizes God's authority, and, he, and Moses recognizes what Jethro wanted. Jethro was not there to take over. 
Jethro Jethro said, you're you're going to burn burn yourself out and the people. people. They They can't can't hear God's God's word anymore if you're dead. So Moses, Jethro says, do these things so that people can hear more of the story. He says, listen out of my voice. I'll give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people. So they bring the difficulties in verse 20. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. We call that discipleship. It's called teaching the people what the Bible says. Jethro, it took him one day to figure that out. I think some of us have untrained ourselves, and a new believer gets it. They're like, just do what the Bible says. Well, we haven't always done it that way. That's not Baptist. It's too Baptist. Too theoretical. What does the Bible say? Jethro got it. We should get it. So when someone comes to us with their new advice, we say, what does the Bible say? We bind ourselves to God's word. Then he he says, says, moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth. Jethro says, you want to spread the story? Start sharing with people who can spread it. You want God's word to give to people? Stop hoarding it for yourself. Give it to other people who can give it to other people. That's what the Great Commission says. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them everything I said, so they can go and teach other people. You want to spread the word? Teach other people to spread the word. Raise up other men. How do we do that? Two specific ways, elders and deacons. You know what these judges were called? Elders. In Israel, the elders judged. So God uses this format. He carries it through with some changes into the New Testament. Acts chapter 20, new church. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. How many elders of the church? More than one. Therefore, take heed to yourself, he said, to all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He said, we still need people to give us the word, to bring it to us, to build us up in the word. That's what he says here. You shall select among yourself able men, such as fear God, men of truth, and have them help you. There's no place in God's work for one person to do everything. There's no place in God's work for two people to do everything, or three or four. It's everyone together. You see, that's one thing that's changed from this story. The story has changed a little bit. You see, then it was Moses at the top and people under him. What we might call a Presbyterian way of doing things. But God has changed that because he doesn't just give his word to Moses. He gives it to all of us. He doesn't just give his Holy Spirit to Moses. He gives it to all of us. Why do we have a Baptist church, a congregational church? Because God changed the story. And he said, now the Spirit goes to everyone. Now the Spirit goes to women. Now the Spirit goes to men. The whole church has the Holy Spirit and the word. So who gets to decide what we do? The whole church. We still have elders who guide and shepherd, but the people decide because the people have the Spirit and the Word. The Old Testament is a good story, but Jesus says, I'm making it better. I'm building a church. That's what he says, for whom the whole body, so so we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Not just the elders. For whom the whole body joined and knit together by which every joint supplies. 
according to the effective working by which every part does its share. You're not doing anything in this church. You're depriving this church. We need something from you, and you're not giving it to us. We need you to serve us. If you miss Sunday services, you're depriving us of your service. This is not just something we do. This is everything we do. And it's not do this because it's right. It's do this because we need you here. Imagine he says, it says here, and let them judge the people at all times. Why? Because people need help all the time. That hasn't changed. And so God says they're not enough. Moses is not enough and the elders are not enough. I'm going to give it to everybody in the whole church. Because everyone together, that'll be enough. Moses listened to Jethro because Moses knew that Jethro was motivated by the gospel. If you want to be heard in this church, we need to make it that if you love the gospel and you follow the word, you'll be heard. And if you want to give advice to others, make sure that it's to spread the gospel. As the elders lead, we need to be gatekeepers on what kind of advice goes out. And here's the gate. What does the Bible say? And does it spread the story? So check yourselves when you have advice. Am I doing this to spread the story? Am I doing this to spread the gospel? Or would I just like this? Does the Bible have anything to say about this? There's too many people here to have everyone's opinion heard. But since we're all focused on the gospel, we can all be unified in it. You see, these elders and Moses and these prophets, they're all pointing to someone. One church says, Jesus, the mediator, the soul priest, prophet, king, savior, and head of the church, contains in himself, by way of eminency, all the offices of his church, and has many of their names attributed to him in the scriptures. He is apostle, teacher, pastor, minister, bishop, and the only lawgiver in Zion. How do we move forward as a church with old people, with young people, with new people, with people who've been here a long time? Through Jesus. Why don't you tell people about the gospel? Because you need to tell it to yourself. Ignatius said, the fire of love is never extinguished in a Christian, but will always be rekindled by the wood of the cross. Do you have no desire to preach the gospel? Do you have no desire to tell people things? It's because you've lost sight of the cross. You've lost sight of what God has done in this world. You want to have boldness to tell your family members? Look at the cross. Tell yourself the story first, and then come here and we'll tell it to you. And then you can go out and tell it to other people. Let's pray.